So, Eric, there okay. is a little story that uh, you tell about yourself, what you do, uh, that I like very much, and maybe I'd like to invite you to share it. Sure. Well, um, it's this. It's a parable that I I use as a way of uh, starting my podcast, and it's usually known as the parable of two wolves, or there's a couple different names for it. Nobody really knows where it comes from. I've heard it uh, variously attributed to uh, the Cherokee Indians and also to Billy Graham. So who knows? Um, I still think it's a great story, and it goes like this. There's a grandfather who's talking with his grandson. He says, in life, there are two wolves inside of us that are always at battle. One is a good wolf, which represents things like kindness and bravery and love, and the other is a bad wolf, which represents things like greed and hatred and fear. And the grandson stops, and he thinks about it for a second, and he, he looks over, and he looks up at his grandfather, and he says, well, grandfather, which one wins? And the grandfather quietly replies, the one you feed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that's the, that's the parable, and I, I kick my show off by reading that parable and asking my guests what that parable means to them in their life and in the work that they do. So would it be okay to turn the tables on you and maybe ask you what it means to you in your life? And uh, Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, you know, I think that the thing about a parable is that usually a parable becomes a parable because it conveys a lot of information very quickly and very simply, and you kind of just get it. So on one hand, the parable is, it's very, it, it feels very obvious, right? It's about the choices we make in our life, where we spend our time, where we spend our attention, where we put our focus, our thoughts, our energy. And so on one level, it's, it's very straightforward. On a more subtle level, though, I think the parable speaks to me in a, in a couple of different ways. One of the things I like about it is that it describes that A, everyone has this battle going on inside of them and that it sort of sounds like it's, the battle's pretty close. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. and I, I, what I like about that is I think it normalizes the human experience that, you know what, we are all going to, uh, have good days and we're going to have bad days and we're going to have times that we're kinder and times that we're less kind and times maybe that we're greedy and and I think it normalizes being human to me and it just sort of when I when that happens it's not it, it's not pathological it's not it's not sick it's just what being a human is so that's one of the things I really like about the parable. And then the other thing I like about it is it doesn't talk about starving the bad wolf or going after the, the, the bad wolf with a shotgun or having to kill it or cage it. It just talks about, you know, giving a little bit more attention to the good wolf. And I think that speaks to really opens up the idea that, you know, the negative emotions in our lives and the things that, that, that we might call negative emotions or our bad wolf are also a part of us that need um, that, that could use attention and we don't have to try and, you know, in the process of becoming better people, try and kill off the things that we might see as bad in ourselves. So it's, it's, um, it, it feels more real to me. I think it stays away from, you know, being too like, you know, positive thinking, like everything has to be positive. Don't ever have a negative emotion or don't ever feel bad because I don't think that's, that's healthy. So that's kind of what the parable means, you know, to me and why I like it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I love I love that, and I really can resonate with that notion 
of, um, you know, not trying so hard to kill the bad wolf, but really it's there. And uh, mm-hmm. um, what I also like very much about it is that uh, unlike the story of, you know, the typical cartoony thing about the, the devil and the little angel sitting on the shoulders, what's happening in that story mm-hmm. of the devil and the angel is that uh, you're in a way a pawn between the, the, you know, the forces of good and evil. And they fight, you know, over the territory. But the relationship is reversed in that story because it's in a way, you know, the, the, you know, good and evil, if you want, are there. And they're always going to be there. But it's about the choices you make moment by moment with them. And so that also changes the balance of, um, you know, where instead of being the passive battlefield, you know, you are actually uh, pretty much playing with, um, with what's happening. Yeah, I'd never thought of that. I I I really like that. That it's it's um, you know, it's not external forces. It's it's internal. And I and I like that. You know, one of the things I always think is an interesting dichotomy. I've been very influenced by a lot of Buddhist teaching. Um, I can tell. You know, I think you've at least been influenced. You know, mindfulness is a big part of the work that you do. Um, and yet grew up in a Christian culture. And, and those two, you know, Buddhism tends to say we're born good. Underneath everything, we are beautiful and perfect. And Christianity sort of tends to say original sin. You know, you're born bad. And, and I don't find either of those stories to resonate with me. I actually think we have the seeds of all that stuff inside of us, which is kind of why I like the parable also. It just mm-hmm. sort of paints what feels to me like a truly accurate picture, which is we're not either of those things. It, really is um about what seeds we choose to nurture and you know what weeds we choose to pull and and then that sort of thing yeah yeah so in a way the sense that uh we have all the options you know the same way that say as a kid you have a lot of connections and uh, in the nervous system in the brain and then uh the ones that survive are the ones we use and and so um again that's a notion of having all this potential and 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 we fashion our lives as we live it. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, what I also like in the parable is that it's not just, in a way, told as uh, you know, there's we have these two uh, these two wolves, but it's told in the context of there is a, fa- a grandfather and a grandson, and so it's also mm-hmm. the context of tell me a story. And the context of, um, you know, the, the wide-eyed little child who loves being told stories and the relationship that exists between father and son or grandfather and son, between storyteller and audience, uh, and also about that bond. Uh, and so it's about the story, and it's about, if you want, communicating a wisdom about the world. But it's also within a context of that, that love and that bond of, you know, literally transmitting experience, but in a loving way uh, that feels very nice. That's, that's another interpretation I had never uh, thought about, but I, I like that. I like that, that idea a lot. And I think one of the things that I personally have learned from the show the most is probably how important that connection to other people is. I think that uh, when I went into the show, I tended to think a lot about, and I think maybe it comes from um, 
you know, thinking about meditation a lot or thinking about, uh, psychoanalysis. But I, you know, I sort of thought that the, the, the path to, uh, a good life and, and all that was by going inward mm-hmm. and, and knowing myself. And while I, so that's the, that's certainly, there's a lot of truth in that. What I think that I didn't realize, and I think what the show has taught me a lot is that in addition to that, it's also very much about the connections and the relationships we have outside of us. It's both. Mm-hmm. It's both going inwards and it's about connecting outwards. And I think that connecting outwards is the part that um, you just sort of referenced in the parable and the part that I think I probably personally have learned the most from on the show is how important that is and that I need to nurture that in addition to my inner life. Right, right. I mean, otherwise it would be a desert, basically. Yes. To, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that sense of connection and, and so, uh, a very important part, uh, of your life is this show, is this connection, is this, uh, you know, talking with people and communicating with people. Um, so what's the sense of it, you know, in a way as you reflect on it? Uh, I don't mean sense in a, in a sense of sense, like does it make sense or a logical sense. I mean, what's the, you know, the felt sense, the emotional sense. Uh, if you want about adding that dimension in your life. Yeah. I, it's been, um, it's been wonderful. It's been, um, it's certainly one of the best things I've ever done for myself. Um, it's enriched my life in, in many ways. I mean, I started the show fairly modestly with two main goals. My one goal was that I felt like I needed it. I felt like I needed the constant reminder, you know, to about what, you know, to, to look at what wolf I'm feeding. I needed the reminder to be intentional and conscious in my life. Um, because I just have a, I have a forgetter. I mean, I forget easy. I mean, I can learn a lesson a hundred times and two days later need to be reminded of, of those things. So the show for me was a way to, to, to build into my life, um, thinking about these things. I thought, well, if I talk to somebody every week, then there's going to be that. But then I'm going to prepare for those talks. So I'm going to be reading those books. My life is going to have this, you know, this at the heart of it. And so that was goal one. And then goal two was uh, my best friend, Chris, does the audio for the show. And I honestly just thought it would give us a chance to spend a lot more time together because we were both adults and we didn't see a lot of each other. And he's one of the great joys of my life. And so, you know, the show for me was if I could accomplish those two things and those have been accomplished many times over what I was, you know, certainly uh, hopeful might happen, but wasn't really ex- necessarily expecting was that so many people would love and resonate with the show and I would, um, I mean, some of the letters, you know, emails that I get from people really kind of, um, they kind of blow me away it, it how people describe how transformative the show has been to them. And, and that's, I think I still, um, I, it still takes some, some getting used to, but I love it. I mean, it obviously feels really good. I spend, you know, I think on the show, I'm pretty open about my wrestle, my struggles with addiction and with depression and just with how to live in this world. And so it's really, um, you know, I certainly, I think true healing from those sort of things happens when we're able to take these experiences that are difficult and they become helpful to somebody else. That to me feels like, I feel like I continue to heal those, those parts of myself by doing the show. So, um, 
my felt sense of it is just really joy. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. I'm so, I'm so happy with it. So it's a sense of joy and healing and, and expansion. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It's, yeah. it's wonderful. And so what you're describing is that, um, uh, the, um, uh, in a way, doing the show is some kind of a mindful practice for you or some kind of a set, something, some ways of setting up a sort of routine in a good way, yes. uh, where uh, the routine uh, takes over and frames a setting in which uh, it helps you do what you might otherwise not have a chance to do, which is to reflect inside, to connect with people, and uh, to to explore some topics that otherwise you may simply not find the time for. Yeah, I mean, I think I had learned enough, you know, before starting the show about you know, trying to design your life in in a way that the things that are good for you, you just kind of stumble over them, right? It's like that old idea, like if you wanna if you wanna ride your bike more, put your bike right by the front door. You know, it was was sort of this similar idea. Was yeah, it was it was a it was a lifestyle design to say, yeah, this is going to sort of make me do this. It's going to create a routine, and it really has. I mean, there's a every Tuesday night, you know, a show goes out, and there's a whole routine. You know, that, that goes into having to get, you know, everything that has to get done to get that out that time every week. And it has created for me a very, um, a very stable routine. And I think I, you know, part of I learned in recovering from addiction, as much as I might think I don't like routine, it's incredibly good for me. Yeah. Yeah. So there's in a way that sense of, um, uh, excitement is, uh, what wants to break away from routine. Uh, right. And, and routine is quote unquote boring. Um, but there is something in routine that gives you also, uh, a ground for nurturing stuff and for, uh, you know, for coming back uh, to a certain place. Yeah. I mean, I think routine can be considered a negative thing, but for me done correctly, it's been, it's been a big part of what I think has made my life, um, much better. It used correctly. It's a very powerful tool for me. Yeah, yeah. Which is I, why I'm I tempted, need it. I'm tempted to call it, you know, practice as opposed to routine. Yeah, uh, you know, to avoid the the negative connotations of routine. But it's nice to also point out that, yeah, it depends which way you look at it. Yeah, exactly. I agree. Yeah, and so you know, as you have installed this practice, this routine, or this practice in your life, that you know, uh, how has it changed, affected your life? You know, your day job, your other activities. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it it hasn't. I mean, the show's been been uh, you know, from a from a, a numbers perspective, has been pretty successful. Um, you know, I think we've been listened to like three and a half million times. So it has affected, but it's not affected enough that like I've quit my day job or that I don't, you know, that I don't do some of the work that I used to do, which is uh, e-commerce consulting type work. And I still do some of that, although I'm able to do a little bit less of it because of the show and I'm, I'm progressively moving in that direction. Um, I think that you know, it's created that routine. It's connected me with lots of other people. It's kept me sort of with inspiring thoughts and ideas in my head on a, on a really regular basis. And I think it's done another thing for me, which is that I think it has helped me to be, it's helped me to do 
to take the practices that we talk about in the show and do them more regularly. Um, and some of it is not, I, I don't position the show as like, I'm this expert teaching all these people these things. Yet I do feel a little bit of when I look at, you know, the things we talk about as being unimportant on the show, there's been a little bit of me that has thought, you know what, I should live up to these ideals. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I should. So, so it's made it, it's made, you know, so for example, it was when I started thinking about doing the show and planning for it was the first time that I really got to a daily meditation practice that I've now been doing for three years. I mean, the 20 years prior to that was on again, off again, on again, off again. But I think that some of the discipline of the show and the wanting to, to, to really practice what I was talking about helped me to, to, to make, you know, that's been a really big positive change for me mm-hmm, is that, mm-hmm. that daily practice. Um, so it's, I think it has, it has provided, um, a structure and I think the, the, the repeated uh, hearing of these ideas and these concepts and the repeated conversation about what living a good life looks like has really sort of seeped into me more than, um, than it did in the past. I think that, that part of it that I hoped would happen has happened. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So in a way, as we're talking about this, um, we're talking about an instance of, um, you know, feeding the good wolf, uh, that, in a way, that sense of, okay, it's going to happen, it's not by giving the wolf a one-time feast and then famine the rest <laughs> of the time, but it's about creating a regular diet. Uh, yep. And and so uh, that sense of how am I going to nurture that part of me that I want to be nurtured, uh, not through willpower, not through enormous struggle each time, but by creating a structure in my life uh, so that these things become, in a way, more normal and harder to avoid, uh, not from a sense of obligation, but, you know, like, not an opportunity also to not do it. So, so that sense of establishing the structure that makes it possible uh, to be the person you want to be. Yeah, and that's a big theme of the show that comes up, you know, has come up an awful lot is around, call it what you want, call it habit change or behavior change or, um, creating good routines or, um, pra- you know, practice. Um, it, you know, we, we focus a lot on that on the show and, and the, the lessons of how to do that have been very sort of consistent across and it's, it's around, you know, starting small you know, and, and building, you know, starting very small, achieving success, feeling good about that success, and then building. I mean, that's how I finally got to a daily meditation practice. I mean, over all the years, what would happen is I would meditate for a little while, then I would quit. And then I would pick up a book, and I would read about it and think, God, I really should be meditating. Look at all those great things. And they would say, meditate for 30 minutes. So I would meditate for 30 minutes, and I would do it a few times. But 30 minutes of meditating for me was like 30 minutes of running fast if you if you don't jog. It was mm-hmm. it was hard. And so what I did this time is I just started at two minutes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then the next week I went to three, and then I went to four. And before you know it, it's you know, 20, 30 minutes a day. And I've just learned... It, both myself and with a lot of the people that I've been working with uh, through the show, the coaching work I do, how powerful that tool of starting really small and just slowly building that habit until it is part of your life. Mm-hmm. You know what a mm-hmm. what a what a what a good way that is to make lasting change in life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So so really, it's like the the 
give it time to grow. So the organic model that the tree doesn't become a tree from day one. You know, there's a there's a very slow growth in that before yeah. that little seed becomes a tree. Yeah, and I like the I like the tree or the plant analogy a lot because you're right, it doesn't happen overnight. And and the other thing that the the other extension of that analogy that has helped me is to think of um habits as like a tree or a plant. And and I think one of the big things that I learned that I've learned through this process of 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 you know really being able to change behavior is that life is whatever plan I come up with life is going to come along and just throw it into disarray. So if I plan to work out for 30 minutes every morning before I go to work, there are going to be days that that is not going to happen. A kid is going to be sick, a car is not going to start, a dog is going to need uh you know dog's going to run away and I'm going to have to go find it. This is going to happen. And so what I've realized is that flexibility, you know, at the same time having a, a routine, but also having a lot of flexibility around that routine is really helpful. And so in times like that, what I've, what I've sort of, the, the, the way the plan analogy helps me is that when life gets really difficult or challenging, sometimes my goal is just not to kill the tree mm-hmm. during those periods, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to do enough of the habit. You know, um, we had a guest on James Clear who said what was one of the more transformative lines for me about how to keep things going, which was reduce the scope, stick to the schedule. (laughs) So, you know, what that means is if I plan to go to the gym for 30 minutes and I can't, I'll still go for five. I will go into the gym and work out for five minutes. And five minutes, we all know, is probably not transformative in the grand sense of my health. But that five minutes of continuing to do it, of continuing to keep the tree alive, is truly transformative in the ability to keep that behavior constant. Because what I witness in so many people and in myself for so long was you're doing really good. Then I miss two or three days and it's very easy to go, uh, see, I screwed up. I never am any good at this and just quit. Right. And we get derailed and, and thinking of this as something that I want to do for the long term and thinking of keeping that tree alive and of reducing the scope and sticking to the schedule. Those are the things that have allowed me to, to go from being a periodic meditator to a daily meditator or somebody who would exercise for periods of time, quit for long periods of time, you know, to point where I've been, you know, pretty much very consistent for three years. It's, it's, those are the principles that have helped. And so I like that tree analogy a lot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so in a way, the, the five minutes of exercise is not going to have any aerobic effect or any strength building effect. You know, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's not going to do that. But what it is, is it's a, it's a reinforcement of, uh, you know, I'm able to keep my, my habits. I'm able yep. to stick to this. And, uh, and I make do with circumstances. Uh, so in a way, instead of the big tree, it's a little bit more like the reed, you know, like, uh, uh the reed is gonna bend with the wind, as opposed mm-hmm. to being so rigid that it breaks down. So yeah, all kinds of stuff is gonna happen, and as the reed, I'm gonna bend, but I'm gonna continue being there. So an example of this being flexible, um, while trying to keep, you know, routine or habit is, one of my clients is a large retailer, and, um, the work that I do for them is in their logistics center. And so it's about a million square foot building. And so when I'm traveling, it's hard for me with the show and everything else I have to do to necessarily exercise the way I would at home. But what I can do is if I structure my day in such a way and I'm conscious of it, I can walk about five miles a day within this giant building, just going about the things that I need to do. So that's an example of how I'm flexible 
I'm, I'm going to exercise every day. That's my, that's my commitment to myself and my routine. But that's an example of being flexible. It's maybe not the exercise I would do at home, but I still can feel like, well, five miles of walking is, is still, I've, I've, I've kept that habit alive of I exercise every day. And yet I've done it in a way that works within my life. Whereas if what I was trying to do was I had to carve out 45 minutes or an hour you know, on the treadmill, that would be a lot harder. And so there are opportunities to find things like that that allow us to keep our habits and, and these good behaviors going um, within the context of our lives while, while still achieving some flexibility. And, and that flexibility is what I found important, at least for me, because routine, like I am in a lot of different places a lot of different times. And mm-hmm. so it's very hard for me to have the same routine um, every day. And so Learning to be flexible, but but keep going, has been important for me in right. But in so doing so interesting. Things. I like when you put it this way, because in a way, uh, what it's about is, of course, it's about flexibility, but it's also maybe in a way about the idea that uh, it there's not total flexibility. There's a sense of what's important. There's a sense of priority. Um, it's not total flexibility in the sense of oh. Uh, today I don't want to exercise, I'm lazy or I can't, I won't. Uh, right. But that's a sense of holding on to some priorities that are going to be actually very important. And so maybe uh, we come back to that notion of intentionality, of mm-hmm. which wolf to feed, um, you know, because it would be very easy in the course of the, the various distractions that we have in our lives to actually get carried over by the waves. Mm-hmm. And this is something that says, okay, so the winds or the waves are going to carry me left and right, but you know, I know where I'm going, like in a sailboat where you need to, to tack left and right, but you, you have a sense of your direction. And so that's very implicit in what you're saying there. Yeah, I, I think very much so. It is, it's trying to find um, a way to, to do these things that I know that are good for me consistently and over the long term and i've had to i've had to sort of play with that a little bit until i found what worked for me and worked with my life but the underlying intention was always there you know for me has been you know i'm going to try and exercise you know five or six days a week that's just a, a a core intention for me and i do it largely because i do it as a mental health exercise more than anything else i mean exercise to me i know it's good for my body i know it helps me to look better but for me it's one of the core um pillars that supports my my mental health right and so in a way a core pillar of your life is a focus on mental health is not taking it for granted is in a way being aware that it cannot be taken for granted and that you have to do something because it's very valuable to you. Yeah, in my case, um, yeah, it's it, it. I can't take it for granted because I will slip into um, depression uh, relatively easy. And my experience has been if I slip too far in that direction, then you know addiction could be back around the corner. So I think I was driven to some of these things kind of under the threat of. <laughs> you know total destruction mm-hmm. but but those things have turned out to be wonderful things for my overall overall life but exercise is just one of those things for me if i don't do it for a few days i start really not feeling very good in my body and in my head mm-hmm. i just feel off and i start to feel 
depressed and, and lethargic. And so it's, it's, I don't think it's that way for everybody necessarily, but for me, it's a real, it's a big lever. Mm-hmm, in, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In and that. so it's also uh, connecting to that felt sense experience of feeling off or not feeling off. Uh, because in a way, uh, one, as many of us are, uh, could be cut off from that felt sense experience, could be off without noticing that we're off. Mm-hmm. So it takes a certain mindfulness, a certain self-awareness, um, to, and something also that is cultivated, you know, to be able to have that communication with the inside signal that says, you know, what's happening right now is I'm off. And um, mm, so there's something that I can notice and I can do about it. Yep, absolutely. And, and yeah, I, I agree 100%. I think that's that's at the heart of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, as I'm listening to you and I'm reflecting, I certainly resonate with a lot of what you said, that idea of... Uh, uh, you know, that, that sense of um, uh, feeling when you're off, of doing something about it, of what's important to you, of, uh, you know, and that, that constant, in a way, uh, experimentation uh, to, to be who you want to be, as, you know, and, and, and the pleasure, um, the great satisfaction in sharing it with people, but that I added benefit that actually in sharing it, it helps reinforce, um, you know, the, the message, you know, to yourself uh, as you do that. So there's a sense in a way of um, uh, not just you doing it in isolation, but being part of something which helps people do the same thing in their life and also do the same thing in terms of spreading the word uh, to others. Yeah, hopefully it's a, a virtuous circle of some sort. You know, it it, it certainly helps me you know the the i think there's that old saying you know you you teach what you need to learn a lot of times and so that's certainly true of me hmm. so it sounds like maybe a good place to end to to kind of repeat that uh in a way to as a sense of um you know that there is something very nice about i would almost want to reverse it you know you teach what you need to learn so in a way um, if you need to learn something, maybe start with the idea of teaching it, not to be a hypocrite, not to fake it, to pretend you know it, but in a way to give you an incentive uh, to become better and better at it and to, uh, you know, to create a setting in which uh, you can reinforce that habit in yourself as you communicate to people how valuable it is. Yeah, I mean, there a couple things there. One is there are, you know, there's certainly studies that show the best way to learn something is if you have to turn around and teach it. And then one of my favorite books of all time is The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. And he says very much in the beginning, you'll get a lot more out of this book if you try and, you know, teach and explain some of these concepts to the people around you. And that's always been, um, so I think just that that's been a way I have sort of seen and approached the world is that that I certainly will learn more by um, by teaching it. And like you said, I think it's the spirit of doing that is is important. You know, it's it's um, 
it's the spirit of I'm 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 learning this too and I want to share it with you versus I'm the expert and let me tell you how it how it should be done. I mean nobody receives that very well and it's and but I think if you if you have the right spirit teaching as you learn mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. is is very powerful way to learn something and yeah. and have it have it stick. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Well, thanks Eric. Thank you. This is part of the Active Pause podcast at activepause.com. Perfect. You know, you teach what you need to learn. So, in a way, um, if you need to learn something, maybe start with the idea of teaching it, not to be a hypocrite, not to fake it, to pretend you know it, but in a way to give you an incentive uh, to become better and better at it, and to uh, you know to create a setting in which uh, you can reinforce that habit in yourself as you communicate to people how valuable it is. Yeah, I mean, there a couple of things there. One is there are, you know, there's certainly studies that show the best way to learn something is if you have to turn around and teach it. And then one of my favorite books of all time is The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. And he says very much in the beginning, you'll get a lot more out of this book if you try and, you know, teach and explain some of these concepts to the people around you. And that's always been, um, so I think just that that's been a way I have sort of seen and approached the world is that, that I certainly will learn more by, um, by teaching. And like you said, I think it's the spirit of doing that is, is important. You know, it's, it's, um, it's the spirit of I'm 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 learning this too and I want to share it with you versus I'm the expert and let me tell you how it how it should be done. I mean nobody receives that very well and it's and but I think if you if you have the right spirit teaching as you learn mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. is is very powerful way to learn something and yeah. and have it have it stick. Yeah, yeah. Great. Well, thanks, Eric. Thank you. This is part of the Active Pause podcast at activepause.com.